0: The last few weeks, five weeks, I believe, four weeks, we've talked about false prophets. Those who, not those who are deceived, because many of God's people are deceived. And before they leave this world, they will know the truth in Christ, if it's even at the moment of death when Christ fully reveals himself to them, because when we die, This body of sin is laid down. We are with Christ, and we'll see Him as He is. And then we we spoke about those in chapter two who deliberately, who are sent forth from the pit of hell, from Satan, Antichrist, who deceive God's people to take away their joy. We have joy in this world and the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have that knowledge as we live here with all the darkness, pain, hurt, sickness, disease, and death around us. We have the knowledge that Christ saved His people from their sins. And that when they leave this world, they're in a place they would not return from if they could. They're with Christ, the Creator of heaven and earth. They see Him as He is. They know Him fully, not by faith, but by sight. We talked about being delivered from that. How God delivers His people in Christ. And those that were mentioned, the angels that sin, Sodom, uh, Noah, in the days of Noah. And we came down last week to chapter 3 and we spoke about those who are scoffers. Those who do not believe in God or at least profess not to believe. Personally, I think they do know because the Scripture says the devils believe and tremble and if they're of wickedness they have been given over to the devil, there's no way to recover from that unless God gave it to them and it's not given to them and they go forth scoffing that there is no God. Bible calls them a fool for the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Denying Him when the evidence of God is plainly seen in nature and creation itself. And we came on down. We talked about the time of the Lord being as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. That's just plainly saying that God is eternal to those who are false prophets, to those who are scoffers, because that's what this text is all about, is doctrine and belief beginning from the first verse to the last here. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they think. Well, God's not here. God doesn't see us. Where is God? Where's the promise of his coming? And such things as you hear in the world that appears to be, if not more common, at least more manifest, the farther the world goes along. And Peter told us that one day with the Lord is a thousand years. A day is going to come. A day set of God. A day known only of God the Father. When He will destroy the wicked. And that's something a lot of people don't like to think about and talk about, but like I've tried to bring out to you, this is deliverance to a child of God. You're delivered from all these persecutions. You're delivered from all the attacks of the ungodly upon God's children which is so manifest this day and age. God set a time. We're creatures of time. God is eternal. A thousand years is a day, and a day is a thousand years. That's not a secret code that is plainly stating that time is nothing before God. He is above time. He's eternal. And this day, the day of Christ, shall come. We talked about verse 9 that He's not willing that any should repent. And I want you to bear this in mind. That's why I'm telling you this again. God would not end this world until the last promised child of God, the last promised heir of God is born of the Spirit. When they are quickened of God, even at the point of death maybe, They have a desire to repent and turn from the world and look to God. God will not let one fall away in that sense of eternity. We've all got to be changed. We've all got to be made alive. And God takes us from death and brings us to life. Can we say the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God? None will perish. God suffers their sins. God suffers the world. God suffers all things until the last heir of God is born of the Spirit. And then Christ will deliver of the kingdom to the Father. And regarding the eternal purpose of God in Christ, Christ will be then, it will be manifested that He's accepted. It will be manifested that God has raised Him up above all of the things. He's the head of the church. He's the head of the body. He's ahead of all things, and let's move forward. He said, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. You don't know when the thief comes. You don't know when he's been watching, riding by to see your habits and things you do, so that he'll know when to attack you when you're not home. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. That's the voice of the archangel, the last trump of God, the last gospel trumpet." The Gospel is for those who live by faith. When Christ returns, we will live by faith no longer for we shall see Him as He is and we shall live by sight. The heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Fervent heat. For our God is a consuming fire. When God Christ appears in the eastern sky in the glory of God, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory in the air, because His work here is finished, He will not return into this world. The world, and you'll see this, and all things of the world, the earth also and the works. Let that catch up with you. Fervent heat. That means a passionate, intense heat. A passionate, intense fire. That fire is the glory of God when Christ appears. It is a passionate, Intense heat. Because when God, when Christ appears, then all the earth and all the works of the earth, the things we have done, the things the wicked have done, shall be burned up. Because sin cannot exist. Before God. Acts chapter 1 teaches us it was the passion of the Christ of God to die to save His people from their sins. This is teaching us it is the passion of Christ to appear in the fullness of His glory to gather those the Father gave Him, to gather those that He loves, that He died for unto Him, and that all sin shall be destroyed. All sin, all death, all sickness, all disease... All things that are the result of Adam's sin and our walking in it shall be burned up. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness in your walk in life. This is not telling you you've got to live keeping the law because we cannot keep the law. This is not that Christ kept it. If we could have kept it, He would not have died for us. If one man had kept the law of God in the scriptural way in the heart, Christ would not have died. But we're all guilty. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. This is telling us that out of gratitude, out of love because God loved us and God sent His Son to die for us, how we are to live to glorify Christ in this world. This is one of the two days of the year that people that never go to church seem to pop in somewhere. Christmas, because they say it's His birthday, And Easter, because it's his resurrection. I have no problem with them coming to church, but we ought to be coming every time we can. Because Christ loved us. Because Christ died for us. We should be in all holy conversation and godliness. How should we be? We should be walking after Christ. And that walk is not in ceremonies. That walk is in love. It's in love of God first and foremost, Christ. It's in love of the church. It's in love of brethren and sisters. And let's get down to the bottom line. It's in love of husband, loving your wife. Wife, love your husband. And loving your children. And loving the things that God hath given us. For love is God. He that loveth is born of God, period. Looking for and hasting, under the coming of the day of God. This is a repeat that you remember several weeks ago. Talking about those who would teach you well, we're living in the last days. You see it everywhere. What can we do? What can we do? We can anticipate greatly and we can pray, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But you put your ear to the TV channels and the radio stations and things of the world. And you hear people, as I said a couple of weeks ago, that want to put off the destruction of the world because they love the world more than they love the things of God. How can we change the Lord's mind? For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. We cannot change the Lord's mind. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever in the purpose of God. We cannot change the Lord's mind. We are here and this doctrine that we teach that's being spoken of here teaches us that Christ will come. That is the hope of the Gospel. The earnest expectation. Romans 8 of the Gospel. The manifestation of the sons of God. What is He talking about? He's talking about the last day. He's talking about the day of judgment. He's talking about the Lord shall gather His people home and judge the quick, the living, and the dead, those that are dead and trespassing sins, along with those that are dead in the ground. Either way you wish to apply that, it fits both very well. Looking for and hasting. Desiring. Desiring. Lord, when You come, we'll go home. Lord, when You come, we'll lose no more loved ones to death. Lord, when You come, there will be no more crime and hatefulness in this world. This world is full of hate. Birmingham had three killings this weekend. Three. Hate. Hate. Races hating each other. Genders hating each other. Satan's got husbands hating wives when the Bible plainly says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. We're praying, hasten, Lord. Come quickly. We'll see Thee. We'll be in perfection. We'll be raised up. We'll see no more sin. We'll see no more death. This earth will be dissolved because it is tainted with sin. We shall see Thy glory. And all of Thy children will be there without the loss of one without the addition of one. For we have not the power to save or give life. It's totally manifested in what we've been going through. The power of life is in the Christ of God for I am the way to God. I am the truth of God manifest in the flesh and I am the life. Christ created the heaven and earth. Christ is the life of God. We'll see thee as thou hasten, Lord Jesus, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. The day when the heavens Being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the very first reason for that and an explanation that I will give you is the heavens will be on fire and all the elements of the earth because they are tainted with sin. God cannot look upon sin. Sin cannot exist before God. Why did Christ lay aside the glory of the Godhead to come in this world? Because we could not exist before God. Had He come in His glory, we would have been consumed. Why did God drive Adam from the garden? Because if He had came to Adam after He had sinned, He would have been consumed. And all the children of God would have been consumed in Him looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, the judgment wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Once again, our God is a consuming fire and all these things shall melt away with fervent, intense Passionate heat. The passion of Christ to destroy sin and wickedness. Satan's judge. The wicked are judged. God's children stand with Christ. Deliver from Satan. Nevertheless, we, God's children, according to His promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. When you read the Bible, you have to rightly divide the Word of Truth. There are many places in Scripture it's called the last day. Some were the day when Christ was born in the world. Some were the day of Christ when He was upon the cross of Calvary like the 118th Psalm. This is speaking of the very last day, the day of judgment. So you must rightly divide the word of truth. But he says, nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and new earth. At one point in my life when I was young in my ministry and maybe even before that, I had a view of the eternity as this. There was God in Christ. This is how I pictured it. In the heaven above the heavens. Those lower two heavens are destroyed. The third heaven, which is God's domain, Christ was there sitting upon a throne in His glory, much as Ezekiel saw Him, His bow filled the air. The, the, the glory around Him is a, a bow, amber, it's glowing with the glory of God. And in my thinking, every single child of God was gathered there around Christ. And I primarily got this from Matthew 25. Because He will separate the sheep from the goats and He'll set the sheep on the right hand. We're all there before God. and That's a fearful thought. But that was my thought. Just like the seraphims and the cherubs. We would circle revolve around God as the earth revolves around the sun. And we would cry praise to Him like Isaiah saw with the seraphims in Isaiah 6. And cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And if that were true, and if that is true, then it will be perfect and we shall be satisfied, and we shall see Him forever. But through study of Scripture and the grace of God, we grow in grace, and I think and hope and pray that I've grown from that. That will be at a point when Christ judges His people. And we have the final separation of them as they inherit the lake of fire and we inherit... Eternal glory. A place prepared for us in heaven. Christ called them mansions. I've never lived in a mansion, but we'll have one there. Let's go to Acts chapter 3. And I'm going to go a little bit through this and try to explain to you why I tie this right along. The new heavens, the new earth. Same Peter is talking to the Jews. He tells them that they had killed the Christ of God, but they did it ignorantly, they did not know. In verse 19 of Acts 3, Peter says, Repent ye therefore. You killed him. You sinned against him. You delivered him up to Pilate. Repent ye therefore. I'm declaring unto you that Christ is the Son of God. Repent ye therefore and be converted. Conversion. God calls you by the gospel, by his Spirit. Let me start at the beginning. God calls you by His Spirit to life that is irresistible. God calls you by the Gospel to conversion. To hear and know the true doctrine of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Okay? Repent ye therefore and be converted. So these are children of God. Listen to the doctrine. Listen to the truth. That your sins may be blotted out. Your sins are blotted out in the blood of Christ. So he's speaking of conversion in the world and your sins being blotted out here where we can know God and love each other and love Christ here in this world. Converted. Being given over to the truth. Drawn to the truth. Translated to the truth. When the time, this is where we're at today, This is today, and this was that day. This is the day and the era of the church of God when God calls you here by the Gospel to the obtaining of the glory of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what He means in John 1 when He says that those who received Him to them gave He power to become the sons of God, to follow after God, to know God, to be converted. First they're given life, then they're given conversion, and it may even be at the same time. When the time of refreshing shall come. When Christ shall come To you, the Son of Man quickeneth whom He will. When when He gives you life, when He quickens you, when He draws you into the church, when you have total submission to Christ and you come into the church to worship God in spirit and truth and learn of Him and love Him and love the brotherhood and love the fellowship and every child of God and sharing the love of God with each other. You have a time of refreshing that shall come from the presence of the Lord. That is now. That is today. That is the joy you have of your salvation in Christ, Lord. That is the joy that God puts upon your heart when you hear and understand and feel the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. Who's it to? Everyone that believeth. If you believe, you're already alive and born of God. Dead men cannot believe. The Jew first, and then also the Greek. Repent, be converted. When the time of the refreshing shall come, from the knowledge of the Lord. When God gives you manna, when God gives you angel food, when God gives you refreshing, when God gives you drink of water, when God gives you the Spirit of God, a time of refreshing as we live in this sin-cursed earth. That's one thing Peter's talking about in maintaining the true Gospel of God and turning away from those who are not God's people as they teach things to you which are not true of Christ. Refreshing. The times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And He shall send Jesus Christ. Here is our Savior. Well, you just said a while ago Christ wasn't going to return to this world because His work is finished. And that is absolutely true. For we shall meet the Lord in the air. The dead in Christ and the living will meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But Christ, the Spirit of Christ comes to us in time of need. The song we sang a little while ago God knows what we need. God knows how we feel. God loves us. Everything we have is in Christ. Christ comes to us. Christ comforts us. Christ gives us what we need refreshing in this world. Food to feed us, to give us strength to walk forward in this world. Water to drink the Spirit of God to turn us and lead us and guide us and judge us as we live in this world. And He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, all the law and the prophets were until John. They preached of the coming of Christ. When Christ came, what they preached was fulfilled. Now, today, we don't preach of the Old Testament we, uh, in the sense that they did relying on it and justifying themselves by it. Not being able to see what it meant and what was there. They were shut up under the law. They were blinded to the fullness of the Christ. Today, we have the preaching of the cross. We have the preaching of the Son of God. We have the preaching of Christ and Him crucified. And we have refreshing from it. Now, let's go a little farther. Christ Jesus, whom the heaven... Verse 21, Acts 3. Whom the heaven... Where is he? He's at the right hand of the majesty on high. In his body. Okay? God made man in the body. Man sinned in a body. Man's body, spirit, and soul condemned to death. Christ came here in his body, prepared of the Father from the Virgin Mary of the lineage of David. He died in that body. He laid that body down. He fulfilled the Passover. And this is the Easter that celebrates He raised Himself up from the dead. The stone was rolled away. Why seek ye the living among the dead? For He is risen. He will be there in the heavens sitting at the right hand of the Majesty on high, making intercession for the saints of God, that is, every single one God gave to the Son, and that is, every single one the Son died for whom He shall raise up. Whom the heavens must receive until the times, watch this word, of restitution of all things which God hath by the mouth of all His holy prophets spake since the world began. A time of restitution. I remember back in the 80's when the governor... Passed the law of restitution in the state of Alabama. A criminal had to repay the victim. Things had to be returned as much as they could be to the way they were. Now, we cannot return life, we're not God. So it was normally monetary, but it shows the point of restitution is to return things as they were. To create the world in the way that God originally created. When He created All things by Christ. When He formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and man became a living soul. And He was good. And He was upright. And He was made in the image of the Godhead. For let us make man in our image. That means righteous. That means without blame. The restitution of all things. Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. This world is going to be destroyed by the glory of God when Christ appears in His passion to destroy evil and wickedness. It's tainted with sin and it will be destroyed. Yet God will create a new heaven and a new earth. I'm not talking about a rapture when some people are raised up and others stay behind to to see whether they will accept the Lord or not. That is a fool's story. Christ has saved His people from their sin. This world being sin will be destroyed. The wicked shall be judged and God will make a new heaven and a new earth and man will walk with God in uprightness just as God intended from the beginning but even better because when Adam walked with God, he saw the pre-incarnate Son of God. When we see Him in that land with our body and our soul and our spirit reunited, we shall see Him as He is. The Savior who was born in a body to redeem our body, spirit, and soul who has saved us and brought us to heaven in immortal glory. In a world which is righteous, in a world where the wicked is judged, Satan's not there, therefore sin will not be there, death will not be there, nothing evil, nothing anti-Christ, anti-God will be there. It will be perfect. Just as it was in Eden, yet better. For we shall see Him as He is and walk with Him and serve Him and praise Him. My daddy had a book back in the late 70's. I read it. I hope I gave it back to him. It's by Garner and Ted Armstrong. But he made a point in there. And I've heard some other people among our people make this same point. It's not going to be any undertakers in heaven. Not going to have the need of any police. You're not going to have to work and do all the hard things of this world. And I'm not saying that to please a lazy man, because without sin, there will be no laziness. We will all be there serving God in complete satisfaction giving glory to the Son of God who saved us because He loved us and carries us to heaven and immortal glory because He loves us and will bring us to the Father. Wherefore, beloved, God's people, seeing that ye look for such things, you know these things, the doctrine we preach to you teaches you these things. Be diligent that you may be found of Him in peace. We're in peace even though we're surrounded by sin, death, and sorrow because we have the knowledge of Christ and the doctrine delivered from God above and is written upon our hearts. Be diligent, seeing that you look for these things, that you may be found in peace, that we may be in this world serving God in peace in the way that God ordained. That's very simple. That's very simple. We preach, we pray, we sing, we fellowship, we love. And we strive to serve our God in such a way to magnify His body through us to manifest the work of God in us. Let your light shall shine. Without spot. You cannot be without spot. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we are to walk in a way to seek Him that we would be found without spot, that others may see His work and glorify God for His work in you and blameless. You are blameless in Christ. We strive to be blameless and turn away from the world. We are sinners. Our righteousness is in Christ. We're blameless in Christ. And we strive to walk in it and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Let's go back to verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But his long suffering to us, we not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is not going to end this world. He suffers it, he suffers us, until the last promised heir of God is conceived in the Spirit of God. And to count that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, is everything is suffered long suffering for the purpose of Christ that every child of God will be born of the spirit and changed and then Christ will deliver up the kingdom that is on the day that is only known of God the father and even though we know that this is true we strive to keep it in our heart and our mind as we walk through this dark World that's ruled by the prince of the power of the air, and that is Satan, and God gives us manna. God gives us grace, and God gives us more grace. As I said before, we're in a time of refreshing. An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, is written unto you. The Bible agrees. The apostles agree. They're all sent by Christ. Same doctrine. Same purpose. It has not changed. It does not change. Why do men pervert it? Why do men change it or strive to? I hope that's been explained the last four weeks. If it has not, I failed you greatly. As also, speaking of Paul and all His epistles, speaking in them, His epistles, of these things, the things that He penned of the doctrine of God. I've heard people all my life say, oh, Baptists can't preach without preaching grace and election. You are so certainly correct. There is nothing without the election of grace but eternal judgment in hell but it pleased God to choose you, to love you, to set His love upon you, and to save you and bring you to Him. These people, some things are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. Who is He talking about? He's talking about those of the natural man who cannot receive the things of God because they're spiritually discerned. He's speaking of those of the false prophets and scoffers who are not given to know God or to come to God. They're left in their own state of nature. God did not do anything to them. They're Problem came through Adam. God left them in the state of nature in which they are. They have no way to know, no way to preach or teach. These Scriptures, and they wrestle with them daily and they change them, and they change them, and they change them. Trying harder and harder and harder to deceive a child of God. Go back to Revelation 12. The devil made war with the remnant of the seed of the woman who keep the commandments of God. His testimony of Christ. Who is that? That is Satan attacking the children of God. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing... Ye know these things before. You have sat under the Gospel. You have been taught, whether it was a Paul or Apollos or Peter or whoever, you've been taught by the Spirit of God. And God gives the increase. You know these things. They've been taught to you. This is about doctrine. This is about the peace of God in your heart. This is about the knowledge of God which feeds your heart and soul and takes care of you and loves you for He shall lead them as a lamb and gently nurture them in His arms and He will feed them. You've seen a mother feed a child? With compassion, we went to Huntsville Friday and the little baby that's just been born to Ethan's wife, Caitlin. Rachel's over there holding it and the baby's just looking in love and loving it, adoration at its grandmother, but that's the way we look at God because He feeds us. He loves us. Everything depends on him, and that's manifested in Christ, and that's the love of God in Christ. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware. Why has He told you about all these false prophets? Why has He told you about scoffers? Don't tell me that. That's not fair. It's not about fair. It's about the purpose of God and Jesus Christ. It's about the election of grace. Things were to add unto our faith that we may walk with Christ in this world and have peace which passeth understanding. When we've lost a stillborn child, when we've lost a son or daughter, we're not meant to do that. Parents are supposed to outlive children in a perfect world. We're older. We go first. But it happens. And we have peace in it. Because we know they're with Christ. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that ye you know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked, false prophets, scoffers, fall from your own steadfastness. Fastness. Let me make this very clear as I'm closing here a minute. You cannot fall from the salvation of God which is eternal. It is impossible. You're bought with the blood of the Lamb. We started this talking about the Passover Lamb that is Christ. You cannot lose that. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8.38-39 That you can walk in this world because Satan seeketh after whom he may Devour temporally in this world and cause you misery. I've said this a couple of times in the last few weeks, it's been on my mind. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not meaning to do anything else than to give glory to God for something of which I am not worthy. I lost two brothers last year in 10 days. That is heartbreaking in one sense. But when we see how life is in this world and how they've suffered in this world and we see and we know that one who exhibits love in their life, the love that is to others, our neighbors, our friends, then we know they're with Christ above. And there's a deliverance. There's a knowledge. There's a peace. Don't fall from your own steadfastness. But grow... In grace. How do we do that? By exercising grace. The graces of God. What graces? Church, family, freedom to live in this nation, at least for the time being. The grace of God upon us by his providence in our life. Grow in grace, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. And Peter closes with an Amen. And I will too.